With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and I'm in the old Suffolk punch straight after Fulham's 4-0 defeat to Man City at the Etihad Stadium in the FA Cup. And I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Nathan Martin. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I mean, that was a pretty depressing afternoon. Pretty much our instant reaction coming up to today's defeat, which all went wrong from the sixth minute. Now, lads, we always start the podcast with three-word reviews, but uh, full-time was literally about two minutes ago. So we're going to give people a bit more time to get their three-word reviews in. But do you individually maybe have a three-word review to, to kick off the show? I went with Reams and Nightmares, which we've used on the Fulham account, actually. Um, I was pleased with that because it was very much a a bad day at the office for Tim Ream. Well, a bad six minutes at the office for Tim Ream, shall we say. Nearly gave a goal away in the first minute, sent off in the sixth, conceded a penalty. That is a bad start. So. Yeah, not a great day from your compatriots, um, Nathan. What, what's, your, what's your three-word review? Well, we all know how much I love Tim Ream. I mean, you know, got his shirt and all the, all the love for him. But my three-word review sort of fudged it a little bit. But Requiem for a Ream. Um, and so put four and eight together and make that just one word. But, you know, this may be one of those times that we sort of Tim Ream's illustrious legacy at Fulham. Uh, is on the decline. Yeah, it takes a bit of a tarnish. And I think particularly with Congola, and we'll get into that in a second, but Congola's performance today, it goes to what we talked about the pod the other night, that, you know, Tim is getting a bit older, made a poor decision today. It's not the end of things, but... Not great. Well, I mean, you won't be the, you're not the first and you won't be the last person to put a four word review <laughs> and fudge it into three words, Nathan. So um, absolutely no shame there. Uh, well, we'll start off. Let's talk about the Tim Ream incident. I got a text from my dad at halftime who said, <laughs> that's the last I want to see Ream in a Fulham shirt. Effing stupid, slow idiot. It's nice to see a measured and really yeah, nuanced take from the, yeah, the James James family. Mr. James being really eloquent with his um, criticism there of back to you in the studio (laughs) (laughs) but i mean it's just it's killed what was already an impossible game yeah i mean look you you go and you go to the city and the one thing you want to do is maybe sit tight and we we, last year we we started the game by conceding after two minutes and this year we managed to start it by conceding a penalty and getting sent off within six so it really was, you know, tough, especially when Reem's the captain. He's out there with the armband. It's a lot of, not inexperienced players, but a lot of players playing in different positions there. You know, saw Joe Bryan at, at left wing, Stevie Sess at centre defensive midfield. We've got Congolo in for like the first time playing at left back. It, it's a team that needs some time to gel and for the captain to do something that stupid within the first 10 minutes. Look, it's bad enough that the he's not alert enough to the ball that, Jesus gets in in the first place. It's worse still that he ha- he you know brings him down when he just you know his striker's still got a lot of work to do there. He's not a guaranteed goal by any mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. And thirdly, make an attempt for the ball and give the referee something yeah. to think about because if you 
make a foul like that. It's a professional foul with no attempt to play the ball. It's a straight red. If the referee thinks there's an attempt to play the ball, it's a yellow card. It was also just so slow. I know, Sammy, you're going to talk about some of the rules and things, but it was just such a slow, elongated... This wasn't a bang-bang where the referee has to think, what did I just see? We need to go to VAR. This took forever for it to develop. And so you make it just dead easy on the referee. I mean, it was a lovely feint from David Silver. Class yeah. David Silver there, where actually by doing nothing, he's done more than he ever could by touching the ball. And Michael Hexer doesn't know which way to turn. But yeah, that's what I was going to come on to with Tim Ream. I mean, we've looked closely at the rules during the game and pretty much if he'd have made any attempt to get the ball as long as he'd have got relatively near he'd have given the ref a decision there's still right. a chance he could have been so far yeah, away yeah. that actually the ref would have gone I mean you might have tackled him with your feet but still you're that far away from the ball but you at least you're giving him something near. to think about but it's 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 almost it's so naive to, to, to use your arms isn't it and bring him down like he did madness madness uh, rush of blood to the head and just not something you expect from Tim Ream, really, is it? You, you, the one thing that, you know, you sometimes expect mistakes from him. You sometimes expect him to be slow, some sloppiness right. or some slowness. But the one thing you don't expect him to do is lose his head in the first 10 minutes when he's skippering aside. And, you know, it's, it's not good enough, frankly. It's also really depressing because we'll get into this in a second, I know. But that was the weakest goal we conceded, I think, out of the four today. Like, yeah. You know, and, and City are a team of class. We looked at that bench and you said... Oh my God! I mean, you know, it's just almost ludicrous. The, the being able to bring on, Ster, you know, Sterling for Mares or whoever else, and you are going to probably concede goals if you play City. And you know, the other three that we conceded, there's not a lot of shame in it. They weren't bad. Maybe the final, maybe goal. the final one. But I mean, everyone's final one's tired. a bit of a mess. But everyone's but, but, tired. I mean, everyone's They've been tired. The ball I, I have a little bit of like grace for the team by that point. But you know, Silva hits an absolute, you know, worldy, like just pure class. Jesus has a nice header where he cuts, you know, and, and, and redirects it really well. But that, but just don't make it easy on City. Don't give them something to, you know, just to have it on a plate. And also... Let, They're good enough without us right. giving them goals. And let's be clear yeah. as well. Rodak actually played really well today. He almost got a save off the penalty. And so did the centre-backs. Yeah, <laughs> right. let's, let's talk thing. about... I mean, Hector particularly stood out, but Congolo's tackle on Sterling in the second Pretty half hard. is exceptional. Like, weirdly, I'm coming out of a 4-0 de- uh, um, performance... And, and we're giving credit to the two centre-backs and the goalkeeper because they stopped it being a Burton today. It, yeah, could, absolutely. it could well have been. I and thought it, Hector was immense again. And, and like I said, but Congolo, especially in the second half, I thought really stepped up. It's a shame, actually, he can't play against his parent club, obviously, next yeah, weekend. But, you know, we, you know, there are worse things right now than having a centre-back partnership that can develop into something. And given what we saw from Ream today, I would not be surprised to see Congolo in there at centre-half again soon. We didn't get a chance to see really what he offers at left-back. I guess is the only kind of downside. If I had, don't want to see him at left back. I, this, this I is agree. About him there really frustrates me. Well, he does tractor up and down the left quite well, but you know I agree. I, I think he, he is a centre back. He could do that as a ball playing centre uh, centre back as much as he could as a as a left back. Yeah, I don't know. This talk, I, I feel like that might have been Huddersfield's mistake was to play him at left back. You just look at his physicality and he's doesn't look like a no I'm back. not suggesting we start playing centre backs at left back I'm just saying it's an option to have out there it's not quite it's not quite as clear cut as Maxime Lamarchand who obviously was someone being played out of position yeah. rather than someone playing you know in a role Congolo has played there for both national and club sides in the past and it's not just Huddersfield who've done this he's played there a little bit uh, in, in Holland and a little bit at Monaco as well. He didn't get too many games out there, but there was, he's always been that kind of versatile player. One, and I think there's something in that. One of the things I think is, is, is 
particularly interesting about watching Angola play today and watching Hector as well is that one of the things we saw last year with the Premier League is that you you know you have to have pace, you have to have speed, particularly in the defense. And so you know players like Kmac or Steph Joe would get caught out at times. And you know one of the things with Reem losing a, a bit of a step, with Reem losing a bit of a step is that against a Premier League opposition, he did get caught out. And so he makes a stupid foul coming in there. And watching Hector, even in the limited time that we've seen him, and Congola today, both of them have a bit more of that pace, which means that they they don't have to make a stupid, you know, world-breaking challenge to be able to get in there. And so, you know, I, we, we can't judge too much off of 90 minutes or Congola, but it's really promising, and I would love to see that type of partnership develop because I think in the championship, I mean, who knows what happens in the Premier League, in the championships, that would be a very formidable duo. Good was, stop. Was there anything that we can even say about the rest of the team? Because, I Bobby mean, Reed. yes, Reed Cavalero didn't really get into the game. Johansson tried his best in the midfield, but it's hard to criticize them. They would have got very few opportunities mm-hmm. 11 v 11 when it was down to 10 men. I mean, it was... It was a job of containment, but there, there was a bit of a lack of quality in the final sections of the pitch. But, you know, we've all been there playing football when you are just <laughs> against a class above. And sometimes all you can just do is hum- work hard, huff and puff yeah, and contain. No, it was a bit like that. I, I, felt, I, I felt sorry for them. What, what more can you say? No, not at all. I thought Stevie Sess did OK, considering the circumstances in the middle. I think he was outclassed by the players around him. But when those players are, you know, David Silva, <laughs> Gundogan, Phil Foden... You know, you're kind of expecting that at a point, right? He was, he worked hard in there. He put in a few challenges. He looked a little bit uh, sheepish on the ball, I thought. He wouldn't turn around. He, he was very much playing the way he was facing. But sometimes you need someone to do the simple stuff. And you know what? He's a young lad. He's been played out of position there. Did okay, as far as I'm concerned. I thought Bobby Reed had a few moments of... I thought he... One of the things we said this, that we were happy to see Bobby come off the pitch because he works so hard, and particularly with our dearth of attacking force right now, we've got to keep Bobby in shape. But I, I just, I'm so happy, particularly a week where the, he's been made permanent at the club. Just He's the sort of player that, whether you're in the championship or Premier League, that he's always going to do a shift for you, he's going to fit in, and you know if you back him, he, he will get opportunities. And he had one chance today... We didn't have many of them, but he did have one he chance. Had in, one he had target. one chance in City's box where he beat, you know, three or four um, City defenders and put a shot on that, that that Bravo was in position to save. But you know, I mean, Bobby's got a bit of flair, a bit of spark, and you know, even in a very difficult side, he never stopped running, never gave, you know, stopped putting it all for the badge and the shirt. Let's talk about Bobby Reed's permanent transfer because, to be honest, what else is there to talk about from <laughs> yeah. today's game? Like. Um, we may, may come back onto it a little bit, but I was really pleased to see that come through on Friday night. Yeah, delighted. I, it's deserved on all parts. I mean, Bobby has clearly wanted to move here. He's a player that, since his arrival, has impressed on and off the pitch. And, you know, football fans don't tend to give strikers that misfire as much as he did, in a sense, yeah. in, in his first kind of 10 to 15 games, as much of an opportunity as we have to Bobby. But I think there was just an element of us all knowing it'll come yeah absolutely and it, and it has and okay yes he may not be the most prolific forward that we could, ever could sign but he's so much more than that and mm. and I was just delighted to see him get that permanent move because it's fully deserved he's played in four five different positions since he's joined us he's yeah. played as a 10 he's played on the left he's played on the right he's played as a 9 he's played in centre midfield you know we've not just you, know, you say not prolific striker and I agree with you to an extent but equally like he hasn't played 
up front very much. And and well, I'd whilst, say that Middlesbrough game maybe. I mean, his actual first out and out nine, game as he a, was probably as a one of his weakest. Yeah. So I, I think what we've signed is someone who's so versatile, who's able to play in those different positions, who's always got the work rate, but also someone who's class on the ball, who's able to spot gaps for other people, who's able to make sensible runs that deceive defenders. I think we've got an all rounder with Jamin Bobby, and I'm delighted with this. And, I, and I, I don't know if you want to come to it, but Scott did a few interviews this week that have come out in the press. And, you know, he's talking a lot about, you know, football fans being patient and trying to build something that's sustainable. He mentioned Bournemouth as sort of a club that he looks to as an inspiration. And, you know, there were some other things that Scott said that maybe we had time to start using Bournemouth. As yeah, an inspiration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there is something to be said for the longer term view for Fulham. And, you know, same thing for Caviero and and Bobby, that I think these are both proven players who work at both the championship and in the Premier League, and they're very sensible. You, you, yes, we're having to pay a bit of a premium for both of them, but I'm, I'm actually really fine. They're also young enough players that you get a few years out of them, and you're, build, you're putting building blocks in. That means that whatever happens for Fulham, you know, we're going to be in a better position. So I, I really love these two signings. Of the sess in your money, we've got Josh Onoma, Michael Hector, Cavalero, and Bobby Reed. It's a pretty good deal. That's not that, bad. Do you think that's the money now used up? Yeah, it was 30, 35, wasn't it, million with on I think it in. was more like, I thought it was under 30. I think that's it. That's the money for that card. And I think, you know, but there's other transfers and other things going on. You know, that's not, we don't just have a limited budget of we have to use the Sessignon money. But if that's the four players you're picking up for Ryan Sessignon, I think you've done okay. Yeah, you have. That's a very sensible point to make. And I saw someone suggesting the week that actually the deal of Bobby Reed's contract anyway is that if he played over 10 games or started over 10 games... For and Fulham, we didn't get relegated. Then they were the two we, clauses we, we had, had to, to buy. We him. had to buy him anyway. So I don't actually know how much choice there was in the matter. But... Well, we I didn't think, have to do it now, but we've made a the commitment. Ti- I think the timing's important. And you lead me on to my next point, which was there's a loan space open back up and... Well, Tony's not the kind of person to uh, not not utilise a uh, loan when he can. Who do, who do you think, or where do you think, more importantly, that might be utilised, if at all, I guess? Well, we keep getting linked with centre-backs, but I genuinely think we've got enough of them now. Like, yeah. That'll do. Thanks very much. I know oh, we all yeah, wanted we've centre-backs. One suspended now we've got loads. game and one that's not eligible. We've actually only got two to select for, for the uh, not a little game. Ma- you forget about my friend Maxime. <laughs> Um, the, apparently the nicest guy at the football club yeah, if exactly. Joe and Bobby to be believed and I believe Joe and Bobby <laughs> yeah I do it, yeah no look I, I don't think we're going to I don't think we're going to bring another centre back I think we'd be madness I, well, I, Ben Gibson was linked which was quite if we're going to bring another defender in surely it would be an understudy at left back that right. would be my immediate thoughts mm. well, or someone who could play left and right back mm. you know maybe you know, not James Justin because James Justin is not going to leave Leicester yes. where he's playing football to, to come and join us on loan especially where he's not guaranteed a star, although mm. I think he would. Um, but someone of that mould who can play on either side comfortably is a useful person to have around. I think it might end up being a striker. That's what I think. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I wonder, and Sammy, let you re- answer on that as well. But just someone, I was thinking about this with Charlton the other night, is that we are sort of missing a target man. You know, Bobby worked very hard the other night. But when you do have this sort of Sunday league tactics that unfortunately can come out in the championship from you know match to match in which we're going to have to push through if we're going to go up, we did miss Mitra. And you know if Mitra comes back and plays the rest of the season, maybe that's a moot point. But 
kind of a tall center man is is not a bad what? challenge. I, I thought about this though, but who on earth are we going to convince? Okay, so Jordan Rhodes. We'd like you to join as a center forward, <laughs> but you're going to be behind uh, Mitrovic every single game while he plays. If Kamara comes back, you probably won't outplace him. We've also got Bobby Reed that can play up front as well. So please join Fulham as a fourth choice. Centre you obviously forward. wouldn't. You're not going to. You're not going to convince the top clubs to let go of a lone player, and we've sort of seen what's happened with Jack Clark and Eddie Nketiah, where big clubs are not prepared to let their um, youngsters go out on loan and just sit on the bench. And then, I mean, any player worth his salt in what League One or League Two is not going to be allowed to come on loan to a Championship club unless it's for a huge fee. I just don't know who. I think. You've, I think you've Jordan got Jordan Rhodes. Jordan Rhodes is available for five hundred thousand pounds this winter. Just bring him in. Like if he doesn't play, then fine. We'll let bring him in on a six month contract, five hundred k. Fine, done. And what you're going to play for two weeks until Mitrovic is back? Well, I, yeah, but why or, would or, he come? Or give? Well, why wouldn't he come? At the moment, he's not playing for Wednesday. Yeah, but he's still earning money up there. He might so think. Well, I put might him on a bigger contract. <laughs> it's an option. If Mitrovic, look, I would rather have a, a striker of. Rhodes is not quality because I know he's been quite poor for a little while, but of someone who was of quite strong calibre, available to us, if Mitrovic... Look, if Mitrovic comes back and tweaks his ankle again or his ACL goes, we're done. We're finished. We're over. I, I, I want to throw out a slightly more left field, but, you know, we have, we, have, we have Tony, who is rarely the most conventional of individuals. You know, I, I think this is a perfect time where we have some synergy and cross promotion where we convince Peter Crouch to come out of retirement, <laughs> you know, come in, do a shift for full Drop of the podcast nonsense and then come back, come, to come back to Craven Cottage. You know, he doesn't need to play every game. He can keep himself fit. And then, you know what? What America <laughs> has really been looking for with professional wrestling is a tall, gangly white man to come and drop some. I don't know what, what whatever you do power bombs in the ring. I think his banter in the US and AEW would be absolutely fantastic. You go offer Peter Crouch a 2 for 1. You know, he doesn't have oh, to play every to game. <laughs> I'm just telling you guys, Tony if, if you're listening, I, I think really it's worth a shout. I really thought you were going to come out with some left field suggestion from the MLS. <laughs> I was really excited to see what you had here. And actually you've just suggested Peter Crouch in a tandem partnership with the AEW, which what? to be honest, I should have expected no less, but I was I was expecting a little bit more. Well, than I mean, anything. with your other to your original point, you know, yes, it's going to be difficult to get a lot of top club let out someone on loan in the UK. Agreed. Or oh, a league one. But then fine. Look at Broad. Right. Like, there will be players out there who are struggling for game. You know, I know, obviously, the, the idea that someone like Munaz de Boer, who signed from Salzburg to Sevilla last summer and has played something like 17 minutes of football, scored 30 odd goals for Salzburg this season. Before. He has gone, you know, this isn't, a, this isn't a genuine suggestion because he's just gone back to Germany. I think right. he signed for Hoffenheim. But. Yeah, that kind of player, the players that have gone in and, and not got the game time they expected, bring someone over, you know, get a short-term loan deal to be like, you can refind your form with us. Or, it doesn't matter if they don't play then, does it? Or, I mean, the, 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 the serious point that, like, with the Peter Crouch thing is the other side of it is you find a journeyman who is looking, who, who's a bit mature. Glenn Murray. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, he, he, he drives us nuts, but someone in that form would definitely be absolutely exactly what you need. I don't think we should sign Glenn Murray, but if you're looking for someone right. who's got the experience right. who isn't playing for their club and might be allowed out on loan to the championship, then Glenn Murray is exactly that player, isn't I he? I guess, but also I think you're fighting a battle with the other half, a do- more than half, a dozen clubs in the championship that could all do with a decent striker. And all of them, even though they may not be third, can offer them probably first team football. Whereas for us, we're offering you fourth choice football. 
it's, I, it's a I hard sell. I, all I, I'm I don't saying think with the striker thing. I don't think it's that hard a sell. I really don't. I think you've you've managed to pitch it in a way that is actually like if you sign Glenn Murray, there's absolutely no chance he's behind Abu Kamara in the pecking yeah, order. Yeah, exactly. He would definitely like, well, that's like a nonsense. He'd he's be still second, behind Mitchell. He'd be second so. choice striker. He's still behind, behind one of the best footballers, you know, in the the best football in the division. Probably some people would be like, yeah, fair enough. I will push him. I'm 36 years old. I don't mind that. As a you know, if I get 20 minutes, he's not even getting 20 minutes to Brighton. That's the thing. Right. Glenn Murray is not coming in and getting you know 25 minutes because Connolly and Morpay have that spot sewn up. Whereas if you were like, okay, you're going to get 20 minutes at the end of every game, you'd probably be like, yeah, all right, go on then. Hypothetical situation. Yeah. Fulham are promoted with a game to go. Mitrovic is on 29 goals. He, we, we, we're champions. It's all, it's all done. But if Mitrovic gets two more goals, he overtakes Glenn Murray's uh, all-time championship goal-scoring record. Yeah. Does Glenn Murray two foot him in training? Maybe. I just think that Glenn Murray. I wouldn't put Glenn Murray in the squad. <laughs> I'd drop him. Put him in quarantine. Yeah, put him in put quarantine. Him in. I would make him train with the other twenty ones yeah. for three weeks. You're not allowed within yeah. sixty feet of Alexander. Yeah, but Mitrovic in a glass box. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Just puts trip hazards all around Motspur Park in case that Mitrovic might just trip over. Okay, well, I mean, is there too much else to dissect from the FA Cup? We wouldn't. The FA Cup was never a priority. Do you want to talk about Kearney a little bit because he didn't start today came on late and sort of you know the questions ongoing about his fitness and his form you know it's something we've picked up on the pod a few times I, I don't know what to make of Kearney I mean I think there is an element of fitness about this he hasn't looked right, right. since December onwards and Kearney has been someone ever since he joined who has gone in and out of fitness and when he is fit he looks like a world beater and when he's not he loses he doesn't that. He loses that 10% of sharpness and actually he becomes quite an average midfielder. Right now, he just doesn't look like a man who's fit. Yeah. So it's not massively surprising that he's not pulling up trees for me. But on his, and the thing about the Charlton game, and actually I, I actually listened back to what me and Ben said on, on Wednesday night, and he still did create two of our best openings. Yes, they weren't brilliant openings, yeah, but... Yeah. I still think you're better with him on the pitch than off it. Yes, sometimes he's a bit sulky. Sometimes his attitude isn't brilliant. I completely agree. But you are more likely to create good chances with Kearney and the team than Arta, Johansson, or even Onoma. My, my point at the time was not that we should be you know, getting rid of Kearney. And I think these calls to drop Kearney, and yes, he hasn't been particularly brilliant this season, but I still think on the ball and when he's on form, he's our most important player. And I think that there have been games this season where we've missed him and there have been nice interchanges. The Aston Villa game, for example, where he didn't feature. And there was loads of interchanges between Cavalero and Knockart and Bobby Reed, and it was fast and furious. And we kept losing the ball after one too many passes. And Kearney does put his foot on things slow things down and often pick the right pass yes it's easy to pick out the pass he made against Charlton where he passed the ball off the pitch it was a bad pass <laughs> and he shouldn't have done it like, it's, let's not defend that ball it was rubbish it wasn't good enough but you know, for the amount of times he does put his foot on the ball and, and, and work wonders with it I think that we need to work out why he's not playing at his top level sort that out and then, from, and then move from there all right, so things to keep an eye on this week. There are a lot of championship fixtures. Obviously, we've got a game in hand over the rest of the divisions, so they'll mostly be playing this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Uh, the games to look out for, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, mm. Leeds host Millwall. Yeah, what a, what a tasty one that is. Get out um, on the red button. And then West Brom travel to Cardiff. Um, I guess in the Brentford, Nottingham Forest game, we'd 
almost definitely be hoping for a draw in that one because both sides are in and around us. Everybody, everybody lose. It'd be ideal if both could lose. <laughs> it's, yeah. couple, couple red cards. Look, whatever happens, we're going to gain some ground on someone, right? Yeah, so let's exactly. Think about it that way. Um, and then Cardiff-West Brom leads Millwall. They do look the kind of games where both those sides could potentially get back to winning ways. I, I'd suggest that West Brom's visit to Cardiff is probably the trickier of the two, even though Millwall have been very good of Millwall late. Millwall and Leeds are missing Calvin Phillips. Like, there's a lot of potential there for an upset. And Millwall-Leeds obviously dislike each other quite immensely. You'd imagine the atmosphere would be red hot. There's massive pressure on Leeds already. Keep an eye on that one. All right, well, let's do some three-word reviews before we end the podcast. So this is pretty much live three-word reviews um, <laughs> because we haven't had an awful lot of time to look through them. Uh, Christian Liedberg says, long journey home. Yeah, that is a long old way to go see a 4 yeah. defeat at the Etihad. Sorry, and uh, fair, fair, fair play, play to yeah. everyone that went up today. Uh, Hugo says, no dream results. Uh, Alex Etty had a nightmare. The Fulham FC gent said Etty had enough, which uh, I think <laughs> sums brilliant. up all of us. Ryan Engling, Blue Moon Morning. I quite like Fulham Douster with Glad That's Over. Uh, look, it was, <laughs> there was part of this was just like, right, let's get this out of the way and concentrate yeah. on the league. And, you know, truth, truth is not double scores there is brilliant. Not double scores from Daniel Smith. Yeah, that, is, that is a really good point because when, when this all went in, we all said, "What's the highest?" That we asked this around the pub was, "What's the highest result that you've ever had in an FA Cup?" Well, yeah, look, well, as soon as it was six minutes, that independent, we had a man sent off. We started looking up record scores in an FA Cup game. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, in some ways, four 0 is reasonably respectable. <laughs> well, our record defeat came up in the Northwest in a cup game against Liverpool. Thankfully, that wasn't broken today. I think we should go for Fulham Dowsters. Glad that's over. Uh, three-word review. I think it sums up the feeling here. It was a game that actually none of us were particularly looking forward. Were you looking forward to today? I certainly wasn't. Ah, I thought it'd be quite fun. I thought City would play more kids than he did. I, I thought, thought we we'd might play more see. Kids than thought we we'd did. play more kids than we did. No, still no O'Reilly. And back still to league, ma- back to league matters back to, on uh, back to league Saturday matters. against Huddersfield. Absolutely, which I'm sure that we would all accept today's performance if it meant a two 0 win against Huddersfield Absolutely. on Saturday. I don't think there's something be many, comfortable, please. I don't think there'd be many people that would disagree with that. I think the best thing about today's pub visit has been the fact that both myself and Nathan both brought our, our doggos uh, to the pub and. Um, We've actually probably spent more time watching them than we did the game, uh, didn't just we? Yeah, yeah, if you uh, if you're a dog owner and you want a dog friendly pub, Old Suffolk Punch, very very relaxed, very chilled out. And on a rainy day in London, I lost four one in my Sunday League football today. Fulham loses four nil. Few dogs, few pints, and the boys. Not 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 the worst way to wrap things up. Nah, it's not doing too bad. No, absolutely. It's actually given me a quick idea, What's Nathan, that? with with the facts that the dogs are here today. I always quite like it at the end of the podcast where we give listeners um, a little challenge. So I'd quite like to um, spam the Fulhamish Twitter feed um, (laughs) with different dogs. So if you are listening and you have a dog at Fulhamish Pod, send us a photo of your Fulham dog. If it's in Fulham gear, I guess extra bonus points. But if not, spam us with your dog. We, we, We love that kind of content. Because yeah, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be a nice thing. It was very wholesome content. So let's let's challenge. Let, let's see if we can overwhelm the Fulhamish and the Fulhamish Twitter with the dogs of Fulhamish or the Dogamish. 
There we go. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. A uh, bit of a shorter one than usual. Fulhamish Extra will return in the week. Dom and the lads uh, will be looking ahead to that big Huddersfield game on Saturday. The Terence so, Congolo derby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that should be out uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning for your Thursday commute. Uh, to Jack Collins, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Sammy. Nathan Martin, thank you. You're welcome. You whites, have a good rest of your weekend. Yeah. You whites.